First Class Sailing, take the helm. It is our series of podcasts for all things connected to the sea from First Class Sailing, based here in Southampton, uh, who are the people that uh, seem to be setting themselves out to really help, encourage, motivate and facilitate uh, people's experiences and uh, getting people out on the water in terms of adventure. Joining me now is Bex Miller. And Bex, uh, welcome uh, to the First Class Sailing podcast. Thank you and good morning. Uh, Bex, uh, I think we just need to set the scene a bit because whilst you went on and did the ARC and all that kind of stuff, you're, you're no stranger to being on the water, are you? No, it's fair to say um, I do spend quite a bit of time on the water. So I live up here in sunny Scotland um, on the East Coast and I volunteer on our lifeboat up here. So the all weather lifeboat and the inshore lifeboat as well. And those experiences clearly aren't enough for you then. You need to do more. <laughs> well, the, there's a slight temperature difference between up here and uh, getting out into the Atlantic. So, yeah, occasionally <laughs> I do need a, a warm fix. <laughs> and doing the ARC, doing the race was, was clearly something you set out to do quite early on in, in last year. But before that, you, you had actually done some pretty serious cross-ocean running anyway, hadn't you? Yeah, so um, I... Well, I worked on yachts for a little while, just um, dotting around here and there, and then got the opportunity to do a Pacific crossing. Um, so, yeah, across the South Pacific um, probably about ooh, 12 years ago now. Um, so, wow. yeah, quite a quite a crossing, very different experience. How many on the boat? Just two. Ah, no! <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah. So okay. Yeah, a bit different from doing the ARC with uh, with tall ships, definitely. <laughs> Just a bit. So let's let's talk about the prep for the ARC then, because this doesn't happen. You can't just turn up and get on it. Although I'd imagine from your experience with the RNLI, your your physical fitness was at least uh, high enough for what they were looking for. Yeah. So um, obviously they make sure that you know you've passed your medicals, that you're ready, and that you are seaworthy. I guess we had a prep weekend as well down south went down to Portsmouth um, and that was great because it was a good experience to actually meet other crew members, get on the boat and actually see what we were going to be dealing with as well, which for all I'm used to being out on the water, actually a 72 foot yacht with lines under load is a very different experience. So it was getting used to that and understanding what would be expected of you on the crossing. And that relationship, you know, you know about teamwork. You, you, you're in the RNLI, you, you do this kind of stuff, but you got there another level and you have here, a, if you like, a group of disparate individuals uh, from all walks of life. How did that team bonding building go? Yeah, I mean, if you put it in context, it's a bit like being in a pressure cooker when you're on the boat because you're away from land. It is a relatively small space with lots of bodies. Um, So you have to bond, um, you know. So I think working in smaller watches, that really helped. And also when we were doing things like food prep as well, you're working with one other person. So you really got to know individuals. Um, There isn't a lot of private space on the boat as well. So again, accepting that and being able to understand that you are there as part of a team and that that is part of the experience yeah uh, and I, I get that completely and and that's that's something that I think somebody new to going into this would actually perhaps struggle a little bit with and that takes time to build that kind of confidence not only in yourself and in your crew members but also in the boat I guess 
I suppose so. I think the one thing that I would say is everybody has a place and everybody has something to bring to the boat. So even myself, when I got there, you, you doubt yourself because you're always thinking, oh, blimey, there's going to be a lot more experienced people. Uh, how have I managed to get here? Um, but, you know, it, it's amazing. You know, everybody brought something different. And sometimes, you know, it was a quiet moment where you just had a bit of reflection and someone to talk to or, you know, there'd be the joker in the pack as well who kept everybody's moods up. So, yeah, it was really good. And when you're in this pressure cooker to use your terminology for three weeks you do get to know your fellow man and woman quite well don't you yes very much so yeah i mean one of the fantastic experiences that we had was um halfway across we had a bit of a party to celebrate so um yeah which was brilliant so we all got dressed up in fancy dress so that was a real fun moment on the boat so it was quite a brilliant strange experience looking around as uh, you know everybody dressed up <laughs> so bring something for the party when you pack your, your kit and yes yeah <laughs> and that kit prep also you know this professionally in terms of your your other work but that that really is vital to making sure that a uh, you you know you're, you're in fit state physically and mentally to do the job that you need to do but equally so just from the terms of making sure that everything works and that there's nobody at risk, if you like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's your safety equipment. You also want a couple of home comforts as well. So, you know, people brought different things. It could be music, books, etc. Um, and I'd say for anyone who's packing, look at your kit list get everything out, get the things that you want to take and then probably ditch half of the things that you want to take because it is a tiny, tiny space that you've got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, again, a great tip that one of the first mates gave me was to bring a small line and actually hook it around the bunk. Okay. And then I had grab bags, so like the click bags that you could just put over there. So I knew I had a deck bag, I had a wash bag. Uh, you know, so various different things, and that just served a little bit on time and space as well. Yeah, yeah, good advice. It's it's passing these things on, isn't it? We we yeah. need this to happen. So you you got to get across. You you saw land for the first time in three weeks. How, how did that feel? Oh, it was a lovely feeling. It was it, it's quite a busy part then because we're getting the boat prepped to actually come in, so everybody's got something to do. Um, so yeah, it was. Yes, there's the land. Yes, there's the race boat, the committee boat waiting for us. So um, a, a great buzz on the boat at that point. And how did you feel after that period of time doing this, this crossing and this race? How did you feel personally, Vex? Yeah, I had quite mixed emotions. Part of me was elated because, wow, we'd crossed the Atlantic. That was fantastic. We'd done it safe. We'd done it in a good time. And everybody was still speaking to each other, which was great. <laughs> Always a good thing. Um, yeah. Um, but the other part of me, I felt quite sad to leave the boat and the crew as well mm. because it felt like that was our family. And yeah. you mentioned the bond and you do make that bond in a very short space of time, you know, so you're relying on each other for safety as well. I mean, this is hard to actually get this point across, but I think unless you've actually got onto a boat for this period of time and experienced it, this is a really difficult thing to get across to an outsider. Yeah, I guess. And it's just go with an open mind and laugh at yourself as well. Don't take yourself too seriously because, <laughs> you know, nobody else does. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to see each other warts and all in three weeks, exactly, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and the training beforehand, how how much did you actually do to prep yourself and mentally and physically for the, for this uh, particular crossing? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I look after myself quite a bit. So physically, I, was, I knew I was in a, a good place for it. I think mentally as well, because I'm used to being out on the water. Mm for long stints at a time as well but knowing that yeah this is going to be a long long time so being prepared for that I think the good thing that we did though was really having the weekends where we spent time getting to know the boat understanding its capacity what it was capable of as well um, and what was expected of us and running through some of the safety drills as well particularly things like man overboard I mean you never want that to happen sure. but if it does knowing exactly what should happen in that situation so looking back now uh, after because you did this in November December in in 2019 looking back down now through the through this uh, rose uh, tinted spectacles what what were the big highlights for you from from that crossing Oh, blimey, there's quite a lot. <laughs> um, I think setting off, um, that was amazing because you actually just, all the other boats, we were all just sort of like swarming around each other and then boom, we were off. Um, and how quickly you were out on your own. You didn't see other boats as well. Yeah. And I loved the experience of on a night, the night sail in particular, we had um, beautiful skies, the stars were out, and that was super to see. And lots of dolphins coming back through in the uh, phosphorescent wow. as well to light up. So some really magical moments. And there was one particular, which um, <laughs> it was a strange moment. There was three whales that came and they were swimming with the boat for a couple of hours and everybody was on deck. Gosh. And was like, wow, look at that. And at the time, our skipper was at the helm and a couple of us were just stood chatting to him. And a tiny, tiny butterfly just dropped out of the sky in front of us, fluttered around and then disappeared again. And we were all a bit like, did we just see that? Um, so it was a really strange moment, but it felt quite significant because I think in life sometimes we all look at the big stuff that's going on and you can miss the little details. So, yeah, it was it was fantastic. A butterfly yeah. in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I know. We were, we were about a thousand miles Goodness. off. It was just Goodness. super. So, yeah, it felt really special. Well, let's contrast with that with the fact that you are, of course, in a race. Yeah. Did you feel like you were in a race? Yes, every day. So our skipper was brilliant. He gave us an update every day and we would compare where we were, particularly with the other Challenger boat, um, but then again, seeing where our competition lay as well. Um, so as we were coming in, the gap with some of the other boats sort of uh, got narrow and narrow. So, yeah, we were quite conscious of that. And then when we actually got in as well, that was lovely because people who were already there came to congratulate us. Uh, so, yeah, it felt like a massive achievement. And and where where did you uh, where did you appear in the rankings? Um, I can't remember exactly. You'd have to check with the skipper. <laughs> it's the taking part, not the winning. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Said nobody ever. So last <laughs> so last couple of questions for me, Bex, and um, if I may, is just in terms of what made you connect particularly with first class sailing for this. Had you done anything with them before, and 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 how did you find them? Um, so it was actually a friend of mine who recommended it. Um, we were out on his yacht um, last year and chatting about what we wanted to do, some big experiences. Um, and he casually flicks this email to me and said, look at this. Um, and I was like, wow, that looks fantastic. And he is planning to do the trip this year as well to celebrate uh, a big birthday. So, yeah, that's fantastic. And what about the connectivity with first class sailing? How did that work from, if you don't mind me asking, from a customer perspective? Yeah, no, that was great. I mean, Charlie was super. He answered any questions that we had, kept in regular contact. Um, and it was nice to actually meet him as well when we were down in Portsmouth. Um, and again, afterwards as well, 
nothing's been too much trouble so a really good experience so dare i ask this next and final question bex miller what next Mm. you'll have to wait and see watch this space (laughs) (laughs) that's all i can say Well, the very, very best of luck with you. Now, now the RNLI we mentioned a, a couple of times during the course of this podcast, amazing charity, as we all know, uh, no government funding whatsoever. Uh, you rely completely on public uh, subscription to operate. And I don't think we ever take you for granted, the RNLI for granted, but it must be wonderful to be part of such an, a, an amazing organisation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an absolute privilege. It it is just a fantastic opportunity to be part of it. Well, thank you for doing what you do up there in the uh, in the sunny the sunny climes of Dunbar, uh, <laughs> uh, which it probably never is, um, or maybe just occasionally in the summer. Um, Bex Miller, thank you so much for joining us for today's first class sailing podcast. Uh, it's been an absolute joy talking with you and listening to your story and your experiences. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it as well. I have. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Business on board with Carrie Herford-Jones.